Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Julia Steiner of the band Rap Boys. We talked about Silver Sun Pickups' debut album, Carnivas, and how this album is the best for late night drives. We don't profess to be experts on this band or album, but after digging into it, it's wild how underrated this band is, from our opinion. So, Rap Boys recently released Happy Birthday Rap Boy, which is a re-recorded collection in honor of their 10-year anniversary as a band, and that is right off the heels of their 2020 album, Printer's Devil. So check out both. Also, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Check out our new weekly Patreon exclusive with my co-host, Sarah Blumenthal. We recently chatted about albums by Wilco, and we're doing short exclusive episodes every week. So check that out for around a dollar or more. We'd appreciate anything you can. Just check these out. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at SpinningOutPod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. These things really help. Thank you so much for your support. Simply just tell a friend. Okay, let's chat with Julia Steiner. Hey, Julia, how's it going? Hey, Josh. I'm doing well. I'm chilling at my house in Chicago. It's sunny, and it's been a lovely Tuesday so far. How are you? Mm. Uh, pretty good. I ran on my lunch break, and then I'm here. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, so it's been pretty uneventful uh, working from home today, so not too much to report. Uh, but today, we are talking about Silver Sun Pickups, uh, their first album from 2006, Carnivus, is I believe how you pronounce it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. We're not, I think both of us aren't. Um, I, so always, it was... I always thought it was called Cara Novice. Like, I was adding an extra A, like Cara Novice, <laughs> but that's just straight up wrong. It's, yeah, Carn- yeah. Carnivus or Con- Carnivus. I have no idea, but... <laughs> Um, just to kind of, I guess, get the facts out of the way. So it was certified gold in 2018. Uh, Lazy Eye was number five on U.S. modern rock charts. And outside of that, I don't know much about it. But when was the first time you heard Silver Sun Pickups or this specific record? Yeah, I have a very, very vivid memory of the first time I heard this band, which was the song Lazy Eye. Um... It was probably right after this album came out. Um, I was at home, you know, in my family home. I would have been like 13. And um, I had just discovered that like in our cable box, you could like, there was like an on-demand section where you could like watch music videos. And Mm -hmm. I remember there was a day where I discovered um, the Wilco I'm Trying to Break Your Heart documentary, like a chunk of it was on there. And then the music video for Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups was like in that on-demand music video section. And I just remember watching it like five times. It like blew my 13-year-old mind. I don't know if I'd ever heard uh, 
like uh, as catchy a song as that ever and i was so perplexed because well we can get into it but like the vocalist just has such a strange like unique vocal style especially for a guy like he's he sings so high sometimes it was like yeah. very androgynous it like caught me off guard i was super just like blown away again <laughs> watched it like five times i think it was like a saturday afternoon and uh yeah i i liked the album for a while but then i kind of forgot about it and got into it again really hardcore once we started touring so um yeah it's been a long yeah i've been really into it since i was 13 i guess yeah i had never heard this record i i feel like for some reason i always assume that silver sun pickups were like I guess, like, when I think indie rock, I think of, like, indie rock of that time. Like, I, I don't know. In my head, they might as well have been, like, The Shins, who I don't have a problem with. But it's, like, stylistically, I thought it was lighter than it is. And so when you, when we picked this one, um, I was pleasantly surprised that it was, like, so, I guess, alt-rock or heavy, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um and I had heard someone in like the past couple of years call them like uh like Silver Sun Pumpkins. Uh, you know, like that's like a thing that's thrown around a lot that they sound like smashing pumpkins. Um and it was it was interesting because when I was listening to it like in the car with my partner, I told her about the Smashing Pumpkins thing and she was like, Yeah, I guess, but it seems like like that's this seems like they're doing a lot more than that. That's like a lazy explanation of like what this band, you know, sounds like. Uh, and I want to get to like kind of the reviews of it that I read at the time, but I guess I'll go back to when you were talking about the music video. So I watched lazy eye music video yesterday. So that was the first time I had seen it. Nice. And at, yeah, it felt very 2006 but also has aged in a way that I'm not embarrassed by that fact. Totally. You know. Oh yeah. So I mean it's very simple for anyone who's mm -hmm. who's listening who hasn't seen it. It's the band performing kind of in like a dive bar setting and it's this woman uh and again kind of like an androgynous woman um mm -hmm. sort of watching them but also like being transfixed by another person while they're in the background which mm -hmm. to me and I don't know if we could talk about it, but my that kind of perfectly aligns with why I love this record so much in this band is this album is my like ride or die on night drives, like overnight drives on tour. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've mm -hmm. listened to it on every single overnight drive we've done on tour, which honestly, not proud to say is like dozens at this point. Um, yeah. And well, I mean, <laughs> Sometimes you just have to drive overnight. There's like no way to avoid it. But um, yeah, it's not always poor planning. Sometimes it was. But um, anyway, so for the, for me, this record is like the perfect album to listen to while you're driving in the middle of the night because it's like not it. There's a lot going on, but it's not like exhausting to listen to. Like some records mm -hmm. just are kind of they require like so much concentration or there's like so much going on it can kind of all like equal out to this just like like chaotic listening experience where it's 
it, it doesn't require as much stamina, but there's there's like room. You, if this makes any sense, it's like no, that makes that makes sense. I, I definitely am always on. I always try and find records like this for night drives for the same reason. It, it's like you want you want something that'll keep you up, right? And but you don't want something that feels like it'll beat you over the head. Uh, because like sometimes on night drives, I'll make the mistake of just like putting on like metal you know and then it's like it's it almost exhausts me in a different way it's just like i don't have the patience like that late um so it's like it needs to be tuneful but like hard enough to like keep me engaged you know and this has that yep you know yeah there's enough going on to keep you awake and keep you exactly engaged with the songs but there's also enough like space that you that i can kind of like zone out and like get really zen and like meditative while i'm driving Mm -hmm. which sounds dangerous but it's actually i feel like when i feel most awake and so yeah it's and the songs are really long a lot of them are so yeah it's just been my ride or die it was funny listening to it just now before we got on the call like it's the first time i had ever listened to it in headphones and the first time i had ever listened to it honestly i think during the day like i always listen to it at (laughs) night in the car so it was cool hearing like little things i had never heard before because i'm so used to hearing it with you know like just road noise in the background so um yeah but yeah the music video of lazy eye like how it's this woman who's like kind of transfixed by the band but also just existing with them in the background is a weird like weirdly perfect parallel of my experience listening to the record yeah yeah i mean it feels like it's kind of a uh like a low i don't know low concept you know like a small concept video like Mm. but that almost when you see that now um it's either like people just don't make music videos anymore they seem to be like you know a big concept is like all you really get so kind of like it almost feels like the band. It's like in the middle, you know? And I think that that's like good. And sometimes that can, I wonder if that has like been to their detriment, kind of like being he- neither here nor there on almost every facet of themselves as a band, you know? Cause sure. it's sort of like, it didn't speak to me on like what it was, you know? And yeah. so I guess I'm talking about marketing, you know, 10 minutes into <laughs> this yeah. conversation. I mean, well, straight up, I like, do not know anything about this band which is kind of something that i like a a you know choice i've made because to mm-hmm. me it's sometimes really magical when you return to a record in a specific context and like fairly often and it just exists like in your brain in those moments and like yeah. i don't you know definitely don't follow them on social media not for you know not wanting to but there's something magical about like not really knowing what they look like or like not like knowing what they're up to in their daily life it's it's just like this record exists to me like in some separate space and so yeah i don't know i mean i think they're still doing pretty well to be fair though i I, to be honest i've never listened to their other music like it's just this album for me so and i'm still like so stuck on it so yeah i don't know I don't know if that was ever, yeah, a hindrance or a problem for them, just kind of being able to blend into the background. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't really matter to me in, like, my opinion of this <laughs> album. 
it always exists to like in the ether somewhere you know yeah i mean i guess like you know the connection that i'm making and i don't know if you feel like any sort of kinship to it mm. but i think i sometimes i think of like bands that aren't as easy to classify um in that oh those are oftentimes like my favorite bands like um any and i put you know your band into it in a way that it's like you're not just content to kind of do one thing or almost like be happy to be marketed as one thing and i think that that is a positive thing but i also think personally like me doing that with my own bands has potentially been like a detriment because people can't pin you down Sure. And you're always trying to like move to the next thing potentially. But I'm kind of I'm kind of projecting that on you from me, but also to this record. So No, totally. I no, I mean, I think that's a perfectly valid way to feel. I've definitely had those thoughts too, like even just looking just thinking about, you know, my own band and looking at our top five songs on Spotify, like the one that's currently at the top right now is a fucking like country song. It sounds nothing like the rest of our discography. And so it's like, you know, sometimes people are, have short attention spans. Like sometimes people will just click that song and then they're like, Nope, not for me. You know? So it is kind of a risk to not like box yourself into one thing. But, and at the same time, I fully feel like sometimes like our songwriting is maybe a little bit too weird for like, um like a kind of your average indie rock fan or listener mm -hmm. but then it's like not weird enough for like the really like yeah. you know yeah. classic like really indie rock listener if that makes any sense so or like pro like avant-garde music fan so definitely feel like we've kind of ended up in that weird like no man's land sometimes but mm. at the end of the day i feel like just like making music that feels good to play and listen to is all that matters. And I mean, dude, Lazy Eye was like a huge hit, like you alluded to. Mm -hmm. And that's song, yeah, yeah. that song is like six minutes long and it's the same yeah. thing the whole time, pretty much. So like once you find something that fucking feels awesome, like people will respond no matter where, yeah. how, like where it fits into to your discography or like the wider <laughs> like music industry. But I don't know. I mean, but like, I don't know. One thing that I keep thinking about with this record, though, is like, I don't know how you feel, but to me, it sounds like very cohesive. Like, there's a lot of crazy shit going on. Like, if you like guitar, like electric guitar, this is like yeah. fucking all you can eat buffet. Like, there's so many amazing guitar tones on the record. And it feels like a lot. But at the same time, I feel like things kind of weave in and out. And like, the songs all like, feel very familiar to one another I, it it's such a pleasant listen because uh the riffs they all work you know what I mean? like they all like they mm -hmm. feel like a big family of riffs it's lovely yeah i think like one of the things like just thinking about the production of it um like there's uh, there's almost like elements of shoegaze um that kind of go through it and really what i mean by that is just like like echoey guitar you know and it's like yeah i don't even want to put it into shoegaze because i feel like people it's just you say that word and it only becomes that and i i think that's kind of weird sometimes it's like you either are that or you're just not um but it's like they have elements of it and i think that's what what i'm getting at is like what makes things like 
tie together with it since the whole record allows itself to have that like shimmer across the whole thing whole way um it ties parts together that may not have normally fit you know because it then that gives it like a through line so i think like if you i don't know if you if you're having trouble and you feel like you're you know recording a record and it doesn't fit together just put like a bunch of echoey guitar throughout the whole thing is what I'm saying, you know. Love that. And it'll tie it all together. It's a great yeah. idea. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And they, they, there's some guitar tone that there's. I feel like it's there's one tone that's like on every song. Like mm-hmm. you're right. There's something uniting all the songs, like sonically, and it's so pleasing and. Honestly, listening in headphones doesn't do it justice. It's like the one time I would recommend like put it on on like either a loud set of speakers or like fucking drive 65 miles an hour and blast it in your car because it sounds I think it sounds so much better like when you can hear it in a space like on headphones it sounded cool, but it's not it's not that kind of record to me. Yeah, one of the. One of the things I also took away from it that really made me realize it wasn't just going to be kind of like a quote-unquote standard indie rock record, and I really don't even mean that in like a... like a. So my issue there, and I know I'm already going on a tangent off of a tangent, is that I feel like I'm trying to push against my preconceived notion of what early 2000s indie rock even was. Sure. And it feels like this thing that I've created in my head, you know, so then I just lumped all these bands that sound nothing alike together um but i was very surprised with the drumming on the record like that the guy just like doesn't he just he does everything but all of it works yep you know like in watching him on like the uh like i watched them on like a late night show Mm -hmm. and he just kills it you know yeah Uh, yep but I mean, that's the first a good thing. Drummer. That's the first thing I wrote down, and I made a little note of. Well, the first thing I wrote down when I was just listening to the record, things I loved. First thing I wrote down was riffs, but then the second thing <laughs> I wrote down was cool drums, because yeah, yeah, dude. Okay, so this guy, I actually did look him up before we talked because I was like, I need to know this guy's okay. name. His name is Chris. Yeah. Uh, I think I believe it's Quan Lao is his last name. He's <laughs> a fucking badass and yeah he and he plays open-handed which kind of blows my mind because i always kind of associate open-handed drumming with like kind of loose like style or just like more kind of jazzy or like i don't know just something a little like less fucking tight than what he does like i just feel like he's such a tight drummer and like he does tiny things to mix it up that are really cool Mm -hmm. but like make a big difference um yeah, he's a freak, and I think his drums carry the songs. Yeah, like yeah, in a in a lot of ways. Like I think what's I think it was the second track. Like it's like when that drum comes in, mm-hmm. and it's like almost feels like it's not gonna line up, and then it kind of pops in like the one. Yeah, and then everything just like feels like it explodes. Yep, you know, like so it's just like at that point I was like, "Oh, that's what we're in for for this record," you know, like Yep. Yeah. And it's so definitely badass. Another element that I think is like remarkably consistent. Like you were talking about with the guitars, yeah. like the drums, he does not miss. Like and he makes it's just the same as what we were saying before with like the space, but like 
the ability to latch on and engage like his parts are never like he doesn't overplay which i think is so cool and he makes like five minute songs feel like they have a lot of like momentum to them yeah and like just they feel like they have different parts yeah. because it's like he'll change something slightly uh which also it like makes me think in terms of songwriting and something that i've been I don't know if I've been obsessed with it because I've been lazy or it's just like with instances like this, I feel like it works where it's like, I I try and just, I try and latch on to like a less is more thing. Like, because when you listen to records like this that have so much good space and you've, you've said it, but it's like, they only have one guitar player in this band. Yeah. And even when you see them, uh, cause I, I like watching like someone's late night show because I feel like no one technically nails it 100% on a late night show because like the mix is always kind of horrible and people seem like terrified. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, you know, they sound awesome, but it's like you can kind of like see a band without all those like extra tricks. And that's kind of what I was wondering, like how do they pull this off in the kind of a live setting, especially in like a kind of stagnant one. Um, but like, they're fine with letting everything kind of sit in its own zone and not just trying to like fill it up. Like, you know, so like the keyboard player, like definitely fills in for a lot of things like a second guitar player would be doing. But really all I'm saying is that it just has like so much like really cool space that I, that I wish like sometimes bands had more, you know, I, I feel like we always feel like we have to like fill it up with something. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like one of the things that kind of blows my mind about this specific album, too, is like they I especially listening with headphones. I was able to do a little bit more of like kind of detail, like parsing out the tracks or whatever in my brain or at least trying to like, fuck, some of these songs have like, you know, like at least four or five guitar tracks. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? But it's they're still able to maintain like like you said that space and that like feeling of distance or something it's just like very well done and i looked into it the guy who produces record dave cooley like mm-hmm. he's a mastering engineer now so he's like not you know really producing i guess anymore but and he didn't really produce much except for this i'm like okay they must have just like been friends i guess but yeah, yeah, like he really dialed it in, and I can't really speak to the live shit because I've never seen this band live, and I've never watched any of their <laughs> live videos on YouTube. Yeah. Like I said, I've kind of like removed the fact in my brain that like they exist in this earth, like they're living and breathing right now. Like this record to me is just like this like separate like piece of magic that exists like mm-hmm. at night yeah. only, you know. But like, yeah, it's uh, so yeah. I don't know. So they're able to do like a pretty a pretty good job on the late night stage. Like, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, I, I feel like it was like pretty full and uh, like he's able to kind of like lay back enough. So it's just kind of being carried. Like the drummer carries so much of it anyways. It's almost like they, it almost feels like they could be on stage and him just singing with like the drummer and you would be like, that's still Silver Sun pickups. Like, yeah. you know, so, so I wonder how it would work work i don't even know if like he's still in the band i assume he is yeah but, he is uh yeah but it's like i you know but yeah back to dave cooley i looked into it a tiny bit too like he yeah outside of this record and him doing their second record right. 
Um, like he mastered Jay Dilla, he mastered a Paramore record, um, and he did like a bunch of box set kind of stuff. Like, so it seems like, like it said, he's only mastered things after 2013, but it even seemed like before that, like he did a bunch of Bob Marley stuff and Isaac Hayes, like he's, I guess, got on that track. Like maybe he arrived in LA to be like, I'm going to produce your records. And so I was like, well, you're going to ma- master these records. And he was like, okay. Yeah. And then just stuck with that, you know. Totally. Uh, probably have to deal with people less, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. 100%. doesn't sound bad to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like he is just crushing it. And you're right. I feel like he probably doesn't have to, you know, fewer rounds, fewer ridiculous requests. So, couldn't be all bad but selfishly i'm like i would have loved to like make a record with the same guy who made this one because i think it's so magical like really like i don't know just so many cool sounds so many cool like tones it's kind of insane but but maybe you know maybe one day i wonder if there's i mean there could still be a chance i mean i sometimes with producers what i've realized is like there's certain people where I think people think that they're out of bounds to use because of like, we've kind of put like, we kind of go, Oh, well he worked with silver sun pickups or, you know, whatever. And then we're like, you wouldn't want to like go and ask him to produce your record. You yeah. Know? He may want to because he hasn't done it, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I yeah. Don't know. I just figured since he's like in the firmly entrenched in the mastering realm, now but yeah you're right who knows i mean hey yeah worst that can happen when you ask people insane things is they just don't respond so we'll see but but yeah he crushed it and i would have loved yeah i know very little too about like how they recorded this album or like if it was live or how long it took or like i I saw the name of the studio but i didn't know anything about it so yeah it's all a mystery to me it's kind of great i kind of like that yeah (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I wrote down that it was put out by Danger Bird Records, and I'm familiar with that label. I know they're working with Slow Mass now. Oh, cool. And they're, they worked with, uh, they're working with one of people my band has toured with, No Win is the band. Um, and outside of that, like, you know, I, I kind of thought like Danger Bird was like a newer LA label. Mm-hmm. And then it's like reminding them like, oh, they've been with Silver Sun Pickups since the beginning. And I think Silver Sun Pickups are still on that label. Nice. Um, so that's like interesting. And I know the backstory with like that label was like kind of like when you're an exec for like a major label and then you kind of like, I guess, take your money and go start your own kind of boutique label. That's what all the history I know. So all I'm really saying is I don't know much yeah. about <laughs> Danger Bird or Silver Sun Pickups um that's awesome though but, i mean hey if you can find like a label partner who you want to be with your whole career then that's pretty fucking awesome but yeah yeah i mean it seems like they're doing it pretty good these days i i just looked at their instagram for the first time ever and uh they seem pretty chill they seem pretty happy i uh i yeah never seen them live but i have a friend who does like uh tour managing and merch and stuff and Mm -hmm. he was this is the hot tea so he was tour managing for third eye blind once who had silver sun pickups on the road to open like as the support band and silver sun pickups had a really fun setup on their bus where they could like 
they had like astroturf and like a kiddie pool and like all this like inflatable like palm trees and stuff i don't know if it was for one day like maybe it was for like for july or a party or something or if it was every day i don't know but third eye blind guy got really jealous and wanted the same thing and so he made my friend like go out to the store and like purchase all of these things because he's like i want to i want a beach set up too like whatever so long story short seems like silver sun pickups has a fun time on tour in the kiddie pool and the tiki bar and honestly they're probably living the life like good for them but when you're of that caliber and i guess i'm kind of putting them in a spot that i don't really know if they kind of exist in yeah but i assume they're they're like at least in Charlotte, there's like, I don't know, almost like 800 cap rooms where it's like they could do a pretty good dent on it or maybe they can sell it out on a good night and that's their career. It's like, I mean, but any of us, you know, any of us, like we're not, but it's like to consistently be able to kind of fill up 500 plus rooms, like is actually like what I feel like I envy sometimes, like I envy that. And I guess I should be like envying something like Third Eye Blind, but I'm like, but I'm like, when you're Silver Sun pickups, like you almost exist in like this middle class. Yeah. And you can, you can exist there forever. I, I think essentially you're like almost like a working class musician um, and you do okay, you know, yep. and you can provide and all that stuff. Um, I envy that like so much more because I feel like there's, there's almost like no way for you to fuck it up. Yep. Um, you know, if you stay consistently there, which probably is the trick, um, just stay consistently there, then I love that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's the best place to be. Like, even like bands like, like, I feel like like old 97s and stuff are like in that spot. Like, you know, there's certain bands where it's like, you know, they can like fill up like a room, mm -hmm. but most people don't. Most people either like they're like what happened with that band or they're like I used to like that band or they just think they broke up. Yep. Like Lucero, I think is like another one, you know. Yeah. Um Yeah. I'm thinking of like of Montreal. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's pretty much the dream because if you could consistently sell out, yeah, like the mid-size clubs, that's so much better at least in my opinion than like going from selling out like a 5,000, like a big room or even like going from like small stadium shows and then going back, like backwards kind of. And like mm -hmm. having to reckon with the fact that you like are, your fan base is shrinking or you like have lost, you like have clearly peaked, you know, like having that steady, consistent, like existence is definitely the goal. They probably have no feeling of being like, well, I got to get good at shit posting. <laughs> yeah, you know? dude. They're chilling. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, they don't have to like rely Just on chilling, social media yeah. as much like to build their career. Sometimes I get jealous or envious of bands that came up in the early and mid 2000s because they didn't have to like get, you know, they didn't have to use social media as a tool to like network or build their careers. I mean, I feel grateful for it sometimes because I've gotten to like meet people through the Internet, which is weird. But well, I mean, hey talking to you right now but yeah. like yeah <laughs> i mean but at the same time it, it i can only imagine how like well i mean i mean both you and i have been playing music for a little while we're not like old mm -hmm. hats 
in the same sense that Silverstone pickups are, but imagine starting a band like in 2021 and having to fucking make a TikTok and like all this shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is kind of yeah. kind of great that a band like Silverstone pickups started before any of that riffraff was around and can just kind of coast now. I mean, I have no idea what their lives are like, so <laughs> I can't really accurately like speculate on it, but it seems like they kind of hit that sweet spot and lazy eye like their big hit was like on their first record and it seems like that was able to kind of float them to just make more records however they wanted like i haven't heard them i'm sure they're good i'm sure they're great i don't know i just haven't heard them but uh yeah it doesn't seem to have like fucked up their lives in any meaningful way if anything the opposite happened so that's good yeah, like I, th- I when you said the thing about like starting a band at this point, like sometimes when I get like mad at my bandmates and then uh, I'm like, you know, fuck you, I'm going to start a new band. <laughs> I just think about like having to kind of like rebrand or like doing it again. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, I'm I'm really sorry. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> yep. just like it keeps me coming back. Like it's just like I don't at this point it's like. I don't want to, so I couldn't imagine even being like at their place and doing it. Um, you know, like fingers crossed, I won't have to. Right. <laughs> you know, I can figure out how to be creative within the parameters that I've already created. So if they feel like comfortable, if Silver Sun pickups feel comfortable at where they are at, bless them. Yes. You know, <laughs> so much like, you know, 100%. that's I. But I don't know. Like we don't really know. You know, but I I know that I don't I don't get a sense that. And no offense to like Marcy Playground, but uh, like it was like 10 years ago or so. Uh, I remember this like town outside of Charlotte. Uh, they were playing there. And it's usually like if a, if you feel like a band is playing kind of the the smaller market after kind of having number one hits, you're like, ooh, you know. Yeah. And once again, no disrespect to them, but it's kind of like, but I don't get that sense with Silver Sun pickups. You know, it's like it's not like a story of what could have been. It's just like, they seem consistently like if they're, if they're being support on third eye blind, then that's a pretty good place to be. Totally. And I mean, they, they are still playing festivals. Like Mm -hmm. it seems like they're pretty active still, like as a live band. So, I mean, that clearly to me, you know, speaks to that. They must at least like each other still. And like, you know, I'm sure that if they didn't want to be playing live anymore, they would all find different jobs or start different bands or whatever. But it seems like, yeah, things are, they're grinding in a good way and it's still like working out for them. So kudos to yeah. them. And yeah, I just, I'm just very grateful that they made this really cool piece of art. Cause it has literally like kept me alive <laughs> on tour, like yeah. several times. It's like kept me awake and, it's like a friend, you know, it's like an old friend. Yeah. I, I wonder though, like, uh, I guess like we didn't, but there's a bunch of kids out there that discovered them through like guitar hero. Yeah. Uh, Lazy eye was on there and uh, lazy. Eye was also on rock band. Yep. So, you know, people have a relationship for them and that's also like a good get for your musical career as well yeah. like, to kind of be cemented in that way that you're like, Essentially, to any kid, it's like you're on par with, I don't know, Megadeth yeah, or whatever, Aerosmith, like yeah. Joan Jett. Yeah, yeah, you might as well be Aerosmith to like a younger kid, you know. Yep. Um. So still another another in the win column for them. 
totally i mean yeah like i'm trying i was like racking my brain to try to figure out what happened in my experience like in the intervening years because like i said like i saw that music video for the first time 2006 like right when it came out and then i don't remember listening to the album again until like 2013 or something maybe even later like 2014 2015 when we started to tour and so yeah i kind of just rediscovered it and i I feel like this band just is not talked about. This album is not like, as far as I could tell, like not really on high on most people's lists for like best records of the 2000s. Um, but I feel like there is a cohort of indie rock fans out there, just like me, who like either rediscovered this band or like have loved them since 2006, who just like, it's just common. Like it's like, in the back of our minds how fucking solid this band is and we just we know it but we don't really talk about it but like it's just yeah. like you said like it's like so it i don't know if you were extending this to the record of the band or just the music video but i would say for this whole record like it does remind me so powerfully of like 2006 <laughs> but mm -hmm. in a good way like it just how like rilo kylie does or like i'm trying to think of something like death cab or i don't know like it's it's just it reminds me very strongly of like being a teenager and discovering music for the first time but it like holds up in a way that adult almost 30 year old me still enjoys so mm, yeah i don't know it's keep coming back to it it doesn't get old yeah i one of the things i, I wonder if it i don't know if it like hurt in any way but i was looking at their pitchfork reviews essentially just kind of yeah. going through all of them and they've never really had a good pitchfork review and yeah. it's so fucked did you read that first one did you read no. the one for this record no i saw that it got a yeah. five on wikipedia uh yeah. what did they say what, what didn't they like <clears throat> okay so you got some i quotes? never i did i did and i never do that nice. um but this, and I'll give a little context after, but I'll just read the quote. Okay. Girl parts offered by bassist Nikki Moninger are welcome respite. Also, she's way cute. Oh, God. Okay. That's yeah. That's uh, all you got to say. And, uh, yeah. And then um, also the it was two uh, at the end of the review, kind of the, I guess, the summation of it too unfocused too rambly too boring to make any lasting impressions wow. but we are talking about it in 2021 on this podcast <laughs> uh, this award-winning pulitzer prize podcast so what do you know rachel kong a woman you know, wrote but that? that's that's the, that's the thing that was crazy when i read when i read that part i was just like okay so backing up some I feel like everyone knows that Pitchfork around this time, basically until recent times, which I'll say 20, we'll say 2014, um, there were really shitty reviews. They were like, like and they, they were, like were written. Back then. Yeah. And like, I guess we were like, we were all edgelords at that time to give it a little context, but that doesn't, that doesn't make it any better. But I think there was like a way of writing around that time that always just like had to go for the jugular. Like, yeah. it's just, you always have to like get that knife wound in and then twist it, you know? Yeah. Like, so it's like, 
So it's like, I wonder, and, and I feel like I brought this up a couple times. Like, I wonder if you could like talk to any of these writers now. <laughs> and I, I, I looked her up and she's like an author and she's written books and everything. And, uh, seems like, I don't know, a normal person. I, I don't know what I expected. Like as edgy as a lot of the pitchfork reviews read, I assume I'll look at them and be like, Oh God, you know, they did this or whatever. But it's like a way that people were around that time were just writers specifically. I yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like I know that I would cringe if I look back probably on my writing from two thousand and six. Um Yeah. I would wonder how old she was when she wrote that. Like and also just how much control she had uh like with her editor or I just have no idea. That is so <laughs> it's like oh, that's so deeply cringy and like gross i yeah cr cringy is really that whole era of writing yeah. like you know even just like any like kind of music book like so there was a certain way of writing around this time it, it kind of feels akin to like chuck klosterman kind of things where it's like you kind of like will bring in things about i don't know like you got really wasted or yeah. you, know, you did you did coke with you know some band like it's like there's a spot in um you know his specific book that i'm thinking of that it was like doing lines of coke with like people that were at like the great white uh that band that uh they died in like a fire or people died in a fire in sure. like rhode island so it's like basically you went around the whole u.s and like accounts it but there's a certain way of writing is the point that i'm making and it feels like it was like to be a music writer at this time frame it's like you had to do that yeah or you just wouldn't work i guess that's what it feels like yeah. you know because it's like I want to give someone, I want to give any of these people like a little bit more credit that they wouldn't be like that in two, you know, 2021. Totally. I'm hoping. I mean, yeah. You know, I think there was a lot of like currency to like shock value in music journalism, yeah. maybe like totally was, especially because it wasn't being shared as quickly. So you needed to do more to like get people's attention or like make them say like, Oh, I got to show this to my friend. Like this is a, like, look at this, like, this lady just totally pwned this band in the review. You know what I mean? Shit like that. It's like <laughs> that's exactly what you would it's say. It's fucked, dude. Like, yeah. cause that, yeah. Like, I just uh, like Silver Sun Bigots is a band that that just uh, like they're not the kind of band that would be, at least from what I can tell from listening to this record, they don't seem like the kind of band that like relies on theatrics or like on. They don't seem like the kind of people who are like trash in green rooms, like doing tons of blow backstage whatever who knows but all i'm saying is like solid workhorse band they don't deserve to be like fucking like <laughs> just have like sexist face value comments in their pitchfork review like that's such a shame so yeah i would be yeah. very curious to know if that writer would if rachel would stand by that style even now because she must realize that that was a style like that was a posturing you know yeah yeah um i would hope you would hope <laughs> you know? right uh, like, who knows yeah it, and it's when i was thinking of um well when i was looking through the other reviews too it was like almost like the same thing i guess going back to that original thing i mentioned where it was just all of like they wouldn't sound this way if it hadn't been for smashing pumpkins but it's like do you lay that on like every any other band it's like yes i hear that it's there 
but I also feel like that's just who this person is. Like yeah. that is who Brian feels because I've I've listened to enough of other. Uh, I was about to say Smashing Pumpkins. I've listened to enough Silver Sun pickups that you know from doing this because essentially anytime this record was done, another Silver Sun, Silver Sun pickup song would start. Sure. And I was like, you know, uh, they do sound like they're not as like heavy anymore, but they still sound like him. Yeah. It wasn't like a thing he was just putting on for the time frame you know yeah um and also i don't know what kind of currency sounding like smashing pumpkins would have held in 2006 it's <laughs> a really good point i mean yeah yeah i mean that's just how he sings and like how he writes songs he's like his voice is the thing that kind of got me about this band like and it keeps freaking me out every time i listen to this record like he he can sing like really high for a man and like mm -hmm. but with like his range is just really cool it lends this like very like androgynous just like alien quality to his voice that's so like different and then of course you mix his voice with um the bassist voice i mm -hmm. forget her. i don't really know her i don't really know nikki. anyone's names okay nikki yeah <clears throat> and it works so well like it they just support each other in really cool ways um and she does some cool stuff on the bass that I honestly never noticed until I listened on the headphones. It's kind of, it's kind of tough to pick out what the bass is doing sometimes in the car. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's just him. But I say that as someone who this is a huge blind spot for me. I've just like never listened to Smashing Pumpkins, so I I can get the comparison with like the two Smashing Pumpkins songs I know. But um, yeah, I don't think. You're right. I don't know if in 2006 that would have been like, you know, if it would have been time yet for like Pumpkins tribute, like worship influenced bands, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, and this is, I'm coming from the same place with you as Smashing Pumpkins, and I always feel like I get people always like, what? Confused. Um, like, I was never a big Smashing Pumpkins person either. Like, there's certain songs that I like by them. But I, I feel like if I sit down and listen to a Smashing Pumpkins record, I'm like usually more bored. Sure. <laughs> like, like, and it's like, but the the thing is, is like I feel like they have like the strongest songs, and then they have everything else. Sure. So, and I'm only really saying that in comparison to like this record. Yeah. Like it's like when when we first when I was first starting to listen to this record, I was like, oh, it's like fifty some minutes. Yeah. And every every episode of this podcast, I try and do. Like, what song would you cut? Ah. But I couldn't think of one to cut. Right. Because I think everyone, every song, when it goes into something like that chills it out some, it's sort of like so well thought out in terms of what the track listing should be. And I don't feel like there are any throwaway tracks, any 56-minute long record. Completely agree with you. It's like, at the very least, each song is super solid. Like... Yeah. really really solid and each song has a riff uh which like kind of keeps you there like it grounds it i i i was thinking the same thing and i don't know either like i so lazy eye for me is like 100 i feel like 10 out of 10 is too small of a ranking i like to think of like, like out of 100 like that's 100 yeah. truly like that mm -hmm. is probably a perfect song but like the rest of them i think the worst one is probably like an 80 you know, out of a yeah. hundred, it's like, that's still really good. Like most, 
most bands that have a record that has like a really good song on it, like a perfect song, a lot of, maybe not a lot of the songs, but at least one or two will be like clearly just phoning it in like, like a 40 or like a mm-hmm. 50, you know what I mean? Like just meh, like skip that one. But yeah, that this one, I feel like it, I don't know. They go to bat each, each song and it, they hit it. It's, Kind of remarkable, like you were saying. It's like almost an hour long. And it's like, yeah, no skips (laughs) for me. Yeah, it's like if, I mean, and I would say like usually when people kind of society picks like what the best song is on a record. Yeah. Like I always feel like why that one? Yeah. But it's like Lazy Eye is, but the other songs aren't far behind it. You know, so yeah, I mean, so I'm just kind of adding to what you said. It's like, it's not like Lazy Eye is like leaps and bounds above. Right other songs on this record. Um, yeah, I do think that this record really pops in on track two. Yeah. But I, uh, but I like when people do that. Like I, I was, I was, I wasn't completely on board with melatonin. That's not to say it's a bad song, but I, I it's, it feels like you would start with your strongest song. But uh, when I think about like Bob Mould always does that. I don't know if you, listen to him sure. he, he was in who's Do and you know sugar um it's like he purposely does it like his first song is always like not the strongest on the record and then the second it's like the second song is the real like best track yeah so it's you know and i feel like they do that not saying that well thought out twinkles is like the best track but it's like a point where you're like oh this is what we're in for totally you yeah know? i mean i two thoughts about that like in my brain melatonin the opening track is always kind of like an intro track for me even though it's like four performance long you know and like a a song you know it's not like an intro song but just because of like the lyrical content too which i'm not really paying attention to lyrics much on this record which is kind of rare i tend to really hone in on the lyrics but just thinking like the kind of theme of like sleep is all over it. And in that mm-hmm. first song, they're like talking about like taking melatonin and especially like listening to it while you're trying to stay awake. It's kind of a, a like spooky sensation. Like, you know, it's very dreamy and it, it, I feel like it kind of sets up the, like the rest of the record, but almost in a way that it's hard to like, when I return to listening to, to this again like all the way through i've always noticed that there are like these pillars of like major key songs and i don't know if that's true i don't really know much about like music theory at all but i don't in my brain like the first song and lazy eye and the last song are all like the most kind of like major key like almost positive sounding like chord songs like they're just they don't have like the heavy like doomy riffs like a lot of the other songs do and like bookending the record with two songs like that to me like always feels really good especially the last song which might be my favorite it's i think the best last song on a record ever that i've ever heard it's yeah exactly what you want it's like the most like the most satisfying like resolution to this really intense dreamy like heavy catchy record it just does everything like i want it to do so good yeah i guess like the the major kind of like the major key thing like it's 
to me it's like a it's like it's either a chordy song for them or it's like like a groove song yeah sure you know yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah i don't i don't know what key it is but i think like i usually don't tend to it takes me a lot of listens to something to really kind of like understand or get like the lyrical content yeah but i also feel that a lot of his lyrics like are there to kind of paint the vibe yeah. of it more kind of like thicken it up like it's like this is what this just listening to the song a vibe you would already feel but i'm just gonna kind of paint it on a little thicker for you and i appreciate that because i feel like it doesn't like it doesn't over intellectualize itself and i appreciate that because i i think sometimes especially in this era especially when you're looking at pitchfork reviews um it's like they want something more than what the record was ever going to give you. And it's like, did you actually figure out what the thesis of what this record is? Like, can you meet it where it lives? Right. Is a thing I think a lot. Totally. And yeah, I mean, you have to like wonder, consider like, you know, what did you go into this record wanting? Like, I feel like that's what makes like music subjective and <laughs> what, you know, causes people to disagree about like, if the record's good or what their favorite records are but and clearly that yeah maybe the journalist who gave it a negative review was yeah wanting something more out of the lyrics or who knows but yeah to me it's like the kind of the lyrics that are a bit more open or at least like you said are more like about feeling than like telling you something or they really make you realize like how unique like his instrument is his voice at the end of the day everyone's voice is a unique instrument no one else has it and it just hammers it home for me how special his voice is and how different it is from anyone else's and yeah the fact that the lyrics are kind of letting themselves like lie in the in the song are yeah it just adds to that for me it's so cool and I still have, yeah, I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about in like most of these songs, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah. One, one of the reviews, I think from another, like a later record, um, it could have been this one too. Um, they all seem like kind of mean to him. <laughs> like, Why? Like, for a band that seems, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. It would, it would just be like a uh, middle school version of Billy Corgan was one of oh the reviews, God. like lyrically. And then I'm like, no, I mean, Billy Corgan is a middle school version of Billy Corgan. You know, it's yeah. like, it, you know, it's like, it, it's just weird. And and even like, it's like, I don't know why people would even, I don't know. It's like, the, it's like society told us to kind of like revere Smashing Pumpkins more. And it sounds like I'm like shitting on them a bunch more than it really is. But it's sort of like, what made them canon? Yeah. Like, what made them canon that doesn't make Smashing Pumpkins canon? And that's, like, a problem that I have with, like, kind of, like, when things start getting split into things. It's, like, why don't people talk about, like, even, like, Gin Blossoms with the same reverence that they would, yeah. like, insert insert something else that's, like, by virtue of the fact that it had, like, some sort of major label appeal, it sort of gets, like, thrown out more. Yeah. You know? I mean, to me, that stinks of someone who's up against a deadline and needs to turn something in. Like, that Like that just sounds like lazy journalism to me. Like, you know, that's maybe, maybe an obvious comparison, but also, yeah, just refusing to dig into something for what it is. And I think, I think there's more here, like, than, than that would 
you know, hint to like a, a review like that. I mean, so yeah, I don't know, but I mean, maybe I'm just defensive. Like I, like I said, like this record <laughs> has like been there for me in very vulnerable moments and I don't know that band at all, like Smash Pumpkins at all. So I don't really have context, but to be, and also like, I've never talked about this band with anyone really. Like I just never, no, weird. I've just never yeah. like talked about this. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I have friends who are really big Smashing Pumpkins fans. I wonder what they would think of it, like of this album. And I wonder if that would immediately come to their minds. Cause I had never, yeah, I'd never thought about that, but I I had heard as much that people would make the connection, right? But I did I didn't have a strong I didn't have obviously from what I've been talking about I didn't have a strong connection with Smashing Pumpkins so it didn't deter me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would be interested. I'm gonna I think I I know one specific friend that I'll ask and he's a really big Smashing Pumpkins fan, um, and see what his thoughts on Silver Sun pickups like it would be okay. interest it would be interesting to know. Because I I don't I don't know either. I'm gonna do like that we're too. in the same boat. Cool, this we're is in awesome. the same boat that it's like we don't know. Like you introduced me to this, but you also essentially stayed here. Yeah. So almost like I think the the homework for you and I, you know, I would I would almost want to know like I want you to dive into the other Silver Sun pickups records a little okay. bit. I'm gonna do the same, and you know even just let me know what you think. Because yeah. I mean I'm curious enough. Because I like this record so much that I, I want to see what they did with it, you know? Totally. But I, I also agree, kind of, I, I I like the idea of kind of like having a personal connection with a record that's almost like just becomes your record. Yeah, totally. I I mean, yeah, I think I'll always feel that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely up for that. I Two things. I think we are about to run an indie rock social music experiment. We should each text our respective friends who are really into the pumpkins and just suggest this record or ask them what they think of this band and let's let's take screenshots and let's let's send them to each other and then mm. yes i will definitely dive into the not the back catalog the front catalog they're like more recent shit yeah, front. I, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah i heard one of their one of their new songs like i think they put out a song last year i don't know but it came on the radio uh last year when i was driving like around. just terrestrial radio yep yeah in, in kentucky See, that's a good sign too totally <laughs> that's nice to know no yeah i mean so it was it wasn't just any station it was like uh this really awesome public radio station okay. in the town where i grew up and i know that they play like cool shit like that so but yeah i i it was cool and i was like oh this band i've literally never heard anything except that record i love so i will definitely i will give it a go i will try um, and, I'll, and where in Kentucky did you grow up? Uh, Louisville. Louisville. Okay. I have family in Louisville. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Fern nice. Creek area. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. My aunt just moved down near there, Shively. But uh, mm. yeah, it's it's a great place. The coolest thing about it is that radio station. They like play really good music. There's no, there's nothing like that even here in Chicago. Um, it's It's like totally publicly funded and it's just for like indie music uh so no commercials and it's also like run by adults no offense to college mm -hmm. radio but yeah does chicago have like a, i assume it does um does chicago have like a strong college radio yeah scene? yeah they, yeah we do it's just it's tough because uh 
the signal strength, my God, is so bad. Like, it's, like, so weak. So it's always staticky yeah. no matter where you are. And, yeah, I mean, it tends to uh, – the kids play a lot of the same music. So you, like, hear the same songs a lot because they're into the same stuff, which is cool. But, yeah, yeah. it's not quite as, like – organized or like professional as i wish it was but that's part of what makes it fun and you know rogue so yeah yeah like charlotte also always had the kind of a b market thing because we didn't have like raleigh area in north carolina oh yeah um, always had like that's where people will go because and i think a lot of times these places i mean they're big cities but also like if you have a strong college radio network in your town because of colleges, obviously, <laughs> yes. um, then that strengthens like any kind of touring markets, you know, and, and it used to. And I think like th this many years past like regular terrestrial radio, that still like dictates where people go when they go on tour. Yeah. You know, college radio is still like a big part, yep. you know, of things like that. So totally. I, I'm asking because... I wonder if you had a feeling like growing up, I don't know when you moved away from uh, Louisville, uh, yeah. Louisville, um, if it felt like it had like a strong college radio station or if you would have know, known at the time. Um, yeah, I was 18 when I moved away. I I didn't know of any college stations in Louisville. I, I can't think of any. The only one, I, yeah. the only station that I listened to was FPK, which is this independent station. It's like... It's like one of those, like, it's like KEXP or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. uh, independent. Well, actually, I don't know if KEXP has commercials. It's like, it's like that, but without commercials. And they like put on concert series and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool. I actually got to intern there for a summer. It was great. But um, yeah, so I, I remember like the first time I heard like Fleet Foxes and like, I'm trying to think who else, like Feist, like all these like indie artists i discovered through that station so i i'm not always in the, sometimes they skew a little bit old in my opinion like they mm -hmm. they'll play some shit that i'm just like fuck this is like kind of lame but yeah that's okay like most of the time i'm into it and when they played that silverstone pickup song i was like oh like this is great you know i wouldn't have heard this otherwise so it felt like old times yeah yeah and so i guess like shifting gears and you know, if there's any way we can, we can tie it back to Silver Sun pickups, but I wanted to kind of ask you about the record you all re released this year, uh, Happy Birthday Rat Boy. Uh, and I guess if you want to explain more of what that yeah, is. Totally. Yeah. It's, um, it was kind of a, something we had never really done before, like, or tried before. Basically we took 10 songs that we had written 10 years ago and decided to re-record them all with the full band. Um, basically all these songs, these like 10 year old songs were like recorded in one way or another, like kind of very haphazardly in our dorm room mm -hmm. or like our old yeah. basements and stuff. And um, basically just as we've kind of grown as musicians, but also just like as a band, like developing more chemistry over time, we realized that you know, some of these songs, some of the songs that we had looking way far back were actually like pretty good and could, you know, if we presented them in the right way, could kind of stand in with our catalog in a really cool way. So, and 
we were very bored during COVID. So we had like all this time at home. So just like everyone else. So um, yeah, we, we knew we wanted to celebrate 10 years as a band. And so we yeah, just decided to re-record a bunch of our oldest tunes and uh, put them out to celebrate. And plus one new song at the end, which, which is the country jam that I alluded to earlier. And yeah, just surprise dropped it. And it's been really fun. We're excited to play play some of those tunes on the road fingers crossed if everything continues to go well (laughs) we'll see yeah i that's what like i feel like everything kind of started moving so quick with that like i hadn't really planned on like booking like tours for my own band like because it was it was like i like we don't have an agent so it was sort of like the thing i thought about with like getting a new job this year was like you know i don't want to like beg to play just like a laundromat somewhere yeah like it's like it's like i'll do it you know again now i'm not saying i'm above it but it's like right now as we're coming out of the pandemic i don't want to i almost thought of this process of like it's like me it's like i get like second hold on a laundromat and then there's like a fifth hold on it and it's like i don't want to do that and that's what i imagined it would be like like touring right out of the gate right you know So, so but it's like yeah, things things seem to be holding. So yeah, uh, you know. I mean, we'll see. I I'm a little nervous that things are going to kind of collapse again. Hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, it's probably best, especially because God, it's so much work goes into tour, like goes into booking a tour, especially mm-hmm. when there's not an agent involved. And yeah, to do all of that work, and then if God forbid things went wrong at the last minute, God, that's just work down the drain like you can't really get it back so I feel like it it's definitely wise to kind of take the route of seeing how this goes you know for the guinea pigs yeah. like us <laughs> so <laughs> we shall see but yeah. but yeah I don't know it'll be fun I, I don't know live music rules I'm <laughs> even just thinking about this band we've been talking about for the last hour like would love to see them live I can't really say they're an inspiration to us live because I've never seen them, but just their vibe. And honestly, just that music video is kind of like a, a vibe inspiration for sure. It's on our mood board, if you will. Yeah. And on top of uh, releasing the collection, a re-recorded collection, I guess is what I'll call it. Sure. You did put out a record last year, uh, Printer's Devil. Right. Um, that was released before the pandemic i believe uh, like it came out yeah. was it <laughs> like, uh, like january or <laughs> it was the end of <laughs> or February. it was a little later okay yeah. uh, okay ah um but that's a very that's a very good record uh, i liked it a Thanks. lot and um you know i think it'll be amazing to probably for, for you specifically to be able to finally like play those songs out or play them out with people knowing them dude you know straight up i mean we recorded that album in 2018 like the end of 2018 so we've we had been waiting already like in 2020 to play it live and it's ironic because we kind of or I don't know if it's ironic or not but it's it was just kind of sad because we we recorded that album with the express intention of playing the songs live and having like a record to sell at shows that sounded like how we sounded at shows we didn't really have anything like that yet so yes it will feel so good to like finally be able to play those songs and sell the record at shows because that's that was the intention behind it in the first place so yeah yeah it'll rule yeah and 
I guess like if anyone in Silver Sun pickups ever hear <laughs> this, um, they should bring you all on tour. That would be sick. Um, you know, because yeah. I think that would be a really cool pairing. I would love that. Know? I mean, we are very chill, polite people. If you're listening, Silver Sun pickups, we will be very humble, you know, diligent tour mates. I would love that. I, I mean, God, people who say electric guitars on the way out or like guitar rock is like endangered or something. I don't fucking care. Like, dude, listen to this album. And it like, I firmly believe that there will always be people on this earth who respond to that and just like feel that gut punch. And that's it. It feels so good. It, it scratches an itch. You know what I mean? And like, who cares if this record's 15 years old? Like, it still sounds so fucking awesome. And yeah, I have never loved guitar more, like, than I do when I listen to this album. So it, it'll it always be that way, I think, for me. Well, I felt like I was going to say more, but I think you wrapped it up so perfectly. Um, so, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this record that I... I know that I'm going to listen to a lot more and I super appreciate you introducing me to it. Dude, hell yeah. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much for being down to go on this deep dive in this, into this record with me. I, it's really been fun and gave me an excuse to listen to it even when I'm not on an overnight drive. So <laughs> I've really yeah. enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Rad. Welcome back. Thanks again to Julia Steiner for coming on the pod. Had an amazing time talking with her. Once again, check out Rat Boys' newest collection slash anniversary release, Happy Birthday Rat Boy, and last year's album, Printer's Devil. Great band. And dare I say, underrated? Okay, next week we're chatting with David Mitchell of the Montreal band Gulfer. We talked about Coheed and Cambria's debut album, Second Stage Turbine Blade. It's a record I listened to a bunch when it came out, and honestly, haven't revisited it in about 10 years or so or more. Who knows time? Like I mentioned, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Follow us on social media. That's at spinningoutpod. That's Twitter and Instagram. Please leave a review and recommend us to a friend. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme music. With that said, see you next week.